Coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, Brantz is with us with OverlandSite.com. Is he the foremost overlanding expert, and has he put together the most comprehensive collection of information on the subject? We don't know either, but stay tuned to see if we find out. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, basketball great, and former Jeeper. Yeah, that's right. Find out what FCA's plan is to keep Jeep alive in Russia despite negative sales numbers, and Bill f***ing Murray is back. Maybe. Will there be a Groundhog Day reunion, and what does it have to do with Jeep? We're going to go around the nation to go topless from Wisconsin to New Jersey, and there's something about a French lick in Indiana. I don't know what that's all about, but it's all in Jeep weather with Mitch. Wrangler Talk with Bill takes us into the differentials under our Jeeps, talk about spider gears and how they work. Nikki G definitely does not have a coke problem, but he's regurgitating jokes. We're going to find out what that's all about and a whole bunch more stuff coming up in this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. I'm a big uh, fan of the French kiss. I can imagine the French lick being even better. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain, Wrangler Off-Road Parts and Accessories Outfitter. Stay tuned for later in this episode to hear about how you can win one of three $1,500 Extreme Terrain gift cards. Holy crap! That's a hell yeah. of a gift card. That's a lot of loot. <laughs> you could do. Uh, you could bit, get like three really good items for your Jeep with someone like that. Um, or, or more if you go smaller items. Anyway, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never drew, drew anything but Jeeps. This show's for you. Josh, Timmy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Extreme Terrain gift cards. No, no. Boy, with that kind of <laughs> price tag, yeah. Jeeps, of course. Hey, uh, I'm Tony, and you're not. Oh, my turn. Hey, I'm Josh, and I'm going to be all up in them ear holes for the next, oh, gosh. well, as long as it takes for us to finish the show. <laughs> uh, it's kind of nasty. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by your company. That's right. Your product or company could get special attention right here with the first segment of the show. To find out how to sponsor This Week in Jeep, just visit our contact page and send us a message. Well, if you uh, haven't been living under a rock for the last uh, week or two, well, you know that a big name in sports has recently departed us. And I bet you didn't know that Kobe Bryant was also a Jeeper. On October 26th, 2010, Kobe Bryant made national news about being a Jeeper choosing to drive his brand spanking new fully customized 2011 Jeep Wrangler Call of Duty Blacks Ops Edition to the seasoning opening game in L.A. The Jeep was gifted to him by video game developer Activision to help promote the upcoming release of the game of by the same name. Kobe Bryant also made national news one last time on January 26, 2020, when the helicopter he was traveling in crashed, killing all aboard. Rest in peace, Kobe. You know, I hate that this has happened to, to Kobe, but... There's lots of people uh, in the world uh, that get uh, that get killed serving their country or um, protecting their country. Uh, I mean, police officers, fire officers, military, and there just seems to be a, a, an abundance of uh, coverage for these pseudo heroes 
uh, instead of the real ones. And I, I, I hate that. Anytime something like this happens, I'm very, I'm very sorry that he died because he was a human being, a uh, family man, and especially his daughter and the other members that were uh, oh, yeah. on, on that helicopter. It's, it's very sad. But it, it always turns me a little bit whenever I see this huge bump in media coverage over one person passing away. Not that he's unimportant, but it's it's his. The, I guess the reason why he's important is this: the thing that bothers me the the worship of uh, sports figures that do really nothing but entertain. Frankly. Versus, you know, the the uh, you know the seventeen year veteran cop who uh, you know ha- has been decorated, who saved countless lives, uh, you know, who was shot in the line of duty, uh, who gets a you know a blip, uh, you know, a five second blip on the evening news, and that's that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and it really is sort of unfair. There is a disconnect, and Tony, it's actually I know we're we're states apart, uh, completely different news regions, completely different time zones, even, and and even what you just said is being mirrored up here. Uh, in talk radio and, and other places, people are saying the same sort of thing. Now, obviously, you know, Kobe was a world, you know, recognized name, but why should he, uh, you know, get any sort of special or different recognition than, say, a fallen soldier or firefighter, first responder, fill in the blank? Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, you know, I've, I'm certainly not a uh, uh, a big LA sports fan uh, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but uh, he certainly was a top of his field, top of his game. Uh, and I know the sports industry is going to miss a, a player like him. Well, he'll certainly be remember, re- remembered in history uh, just simply because of his talents uh, on Indeed. the court. So that uh, uh, he, he won't soon be forgotten. No, no, absolutely not. Well, will Russia ever warm up to Jeep? It's really a valid question, actually. We've long been reporting about Jeep's goals for global domination, and they've stuck to the plan pretty well of offering a diverse class of vehicles that can do well pretty much in any market. And it's true. Look around to any Main Street USA, and you're bound to find a Jeep parked there. Uh, But the same can't be said for the world around. But Jeep is working on that. It's true that Jeep has a decent worldwide popularity, but there are countries where this isn't the case. According to a report by Ward's Auto, Jeep sales in Russia are fledging at best but on an upswing coming out of 2019. Now, Jeep sold just uh, 8,020, uh, just over 8,200 units in 2014, a number that dropped 75% uh, to just over 2,000 units in 2015, then a further 38% to just over 1,200 units wow. in 2016. Yeah, kind of, yeah, you can't ignore that. Now, with a trend like that, it'd be tough for FCA to justify keeping any kind of a foothold in the Russian market, let alone pour even more time and money into its minuscule market share. And minuscule is right. Boy, those numbers. Ugh. Now, while things started did start to look up in 2018 with sales climbing 39% and another 17% for the majority of 2019, just over 1,600 units, Jeep is nowhere near where it would like to be in the world's largest country. Now, despite the less than stellar sales numbers, FCA sees potential in Russia with updated updated model lineups helping the recent uptick in performance, along with competitors Ford and General Motors ceasing all manufacturing operations in the country altogether. And I think right there, that is going to be the key for Jeep in Russia, not having any direct U.S. competition in that regard. Now, this year, Jeep will introduce an updated Wrangler, Compass, and Gladiator to try and capitalize on the potential winning situation there in Russia. Well, how this is going to affect sales numbers? Well, I guess we'll see next time. This time next year. Um, I'd like to know what they're what they're driving over there. Uh, I mean, I, I watch a lot of uh, crash videos on YouTube, and 
uh, all I see is these little uh, pieces of shit Russian vehicles. I never, <laughs> I never see anything li- that looks off road. There's like there's a little boxy car. I mean, it's like a box with another box on top with you know glass where the where you can see out of the vehicle. And they're always going you know 140 miles an hour trying to right. pass somebody, <laughs> running into a, an 18 wheeler, <laughs> and splitting apart and, and ejecting all passengers. Uh, yeah, and, the, and, uh, and they survive. The, well, like the, the the popular car that you see over there, the the Lada, I think is, is that what, what it is? is. I mean, yeah, they've been making them for a hundred years, and, yeah. and they produce like a zillion of them every five minutes. Um, and yeah, everybody's got one. I think you're born in Russia, you're given three of them. Uh, so and and of course, yeah, in any of the you know the the the, the Russia you know uh, mad driver videos you see, it's almost always you know those things. And yeah, you never really see a, a Jeep uh, out there. No, Certainly, uh-uh. not a whole lot of off road uh, videos coming out of Russia either. So um, that's uh, hopefully about to change, though. Well, and, and hopefully over there they can uh, <laughs> they can find themselves a, a you know some uh, some Jeep bugs. There are off road videos from Russia, but they're these these oh, huge well, flotation yeah. screws instead of uh, wheels. And tracked vehicles and <laughs> all this wild stuff that they uh, that they but you know, build. Really, over there. Uh, <laughs> the biggest problem over there for for Russia um, is the government getting in the way. I mean, shocking. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> kind of what you would expect. Uh, you know, from from uh, you know that kind of a uh, government over there. But um, really, what it is 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 the government attacking on you know all these fees. They want to get paid to, and they want to get paid handsomely for American vehicles being sold over there. Um, and, and so you get these, you get these tariffs and these fees and racking up. I mean, for instance, a, a renegade, uh, you know, subcompact SUV over here sells for, you know, maybe $22,000, uh, you know, over there, it's pretty much the equivalent of around $42,000 for a base model renegade. And if you want to have anything, uh, with an SRT badge on it, it starts at a hundred thousand okay, dollars. So yeah, y- yeah, you get the idea of of where Jeep is in, reg- in in regards to the price range over there. And I'm sure you can get a lot of for you know a chicken and a loaf of bread. Um, so I, I you know it's it's you know are you going to buy a hundred thousand dollar Jeep or are you going to buy a lot of that you can get for a song and a dance? So uh, you know it's just one of those things. It's it's a bad situation, but it sounds like it's maybe hopefully about to turn around primarily due to a lot of competition uh, picking up shop and heading out. I get the feeling that uh, Ford and General Motors are moving because they're having similar issues. Did you did you pick up anything on, on the reason why they were moving out? You know, I didn't really want to dig that deep into this because I don't care about Ford yeah, and General yeah, Motors in Russia. You know, but uh, but that being said, you're right, Tony. If, if I was to take a stab in the dark, that would be the educated guess. That they're they're sort of experiencing the same sort of things. It just doesn't pencil out, and I think that 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 FCA Jeep is really just going to sort of uh, take the you know uh, stick it out and hope for the best type of approach here. Uh, in, in that, well, if the competition goes away, we're the only ones left. Then everybody's going to be coming to us. So whether or not that actually happens, uh, time will tell. Well, if we see an uptick of downloads in uh, in Russia, we're going to know that uh, Jeep is doing better over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, and Jeep is returning to the Super Bowl with full-length ad and a big celebrity, maybe. Now, you know I don't like to base too much on assumptions. My old engineering professor, in fact, told me that assumptions only make an ad, well, you know the old saying. So, when I get the uh, wind of a Groundhog movie reunion story starring Bill Effing Murray in a Jeep commercial, I think, no way. That's got to be some sort of weird coincidence, right? Especially since Super Bowl Sunday... This year is on Groundhog's Day. 
Well, well, if the CIA taught me anything, it's that there's no such thing as coincidences. Especially since Bill and Stephen Tobolowsky, Tobolowsky, sorry, the actor who played the annoying friend from high school, were spotted together in Woodstock, Illinois, where the 1993 comedy was first filmed. Now, Jeep's parent company, FCA, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, has not officially confirmed the details of this year's Super Bowl ad. Shocking. Falling back on their legal mumbo-jumbo, the blanket statement has been, quote, The Jeep brand does not comment on the details of ongoing video productions, its own or that of outside partners. And that may feature any of its Jeep vehicles. So I guess we just need to tune in and remember, don't drive angry. This year's Super Bowl, which will see the San Francisco 49ers face off against the Kansas City Chiefs, will air Sunday, February 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 3.30 Pacific Time on Fox. So you know that uh, that guy, Stephen Tobolowsky, he uh, uh, he was also in an episode of, uh, of Seinfeld. He played uh, Thor, I believe. He uh, uh, was a, a New Age healer for George. Oh, God. <laughs> I've seen him in yeah, several he's, things. He's, I was going to say, he has been in a hundred films. I mean, one of those cameo roles where he just kind of shows up everywhere. Uh, talented actor, uh, definitely. So uh, whether Very or not uh, this is going to be something, I really don't know. We have zero confirmation other than just the, these two big actors being seen in a very famous spot where they once were back in 1993 filming a famous movie. So, uh, yeah, a lot of coincidences going on. I guess we'll have to see what happens, what actually is being played uh, during the commercials this year during Super Bowl. And, of course, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know. You can be our jeeper on the street, as it were, and be our reporter, our eyes, our ears, and our nose. Nah, don't tell us how it smells. But let us know what you saw, what you have to say over at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, we have an interview with Ferenc, an overlay with overlandingsite.com. Is he the foremost overlanding expert, and has he put together the most comprehensive collection of information on the subject? We don't know, but stay tuned to see if we find out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, how long has it been since you've been to the 4x4 Radio Network? Now, I'll admit... I don't get there as often as I'd like to. So when I do get back around to visiting the world's best off-road podcasting network, I'm always stoked to see new content from the shows there. From the world-famous 4x4 podcast to Trail Chasers and On-Trail podcast, the Center Steer podcast too, there's always something new to listen to at 4x4radionetwork.com. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. All one word. We'll see you there too. From the top to the tires, from the transmission to the tailpipe, and from bumper to bumper, if you've got a Wrangler, he's got you covered. It's Wrangler Talk with Bill. Hello, JTS listener, and welcome to this week's Wrangler Talk, where we're going to be getting back into the differentials of our Jeep. Specifically, we're going to be talking about spider gears. In one of my previous segments, I covered lockers and how they work. But now, we're going to be getting back into what an actual open differential is and that gearing system that is housed inside your differential or the system that is activated when the locker is disengaged. Also, if you're looking for more information on lockers, head over to episode 406. It's all about lockers and there's a lot of great information in there. So in your differential there is a cast metal 
housing called the carrier that house a specific set of gears called spider gears. These gears allow the distribution of power to both wheels when we're going around a turn. So when we're going around a turn, our outside wheel naturally will begin to spin at a faster speed than our inner wheel. And this is due to the amount of distance that the wheel needs to travel to make the turn possible. If we do not have the spider gears housed in our differential carrier, it would actually make this process very difficult, especially on pavement where our tires actually surprisingly enough have a lot of grip. Without a differential, it means that there's a solid axle shaft or a lock or when the locker is actually engaged, we'll have a solid shaft traveling through the center of the differential, meaning it's a one complete solid metal shaft linking both wheels together on one center axis. Spider gears consist of two outer gears that have the splines located inside them that allow our axle shafts to be inserted into them. And then there is a center bar that runs through the carrier and the center of another set of gears called the spider gears. And that's what they actually mesh with, our outer gears and the spider gears mesh together. Both of the outer gears and the spider gears are actually called bevel gears, meaning that the gears are oriented at a 90 degree angle from each other. And then finally, there are four washer-like pieces of metal, which actually act as thrust bearings, allowing the gear fluid to pass into the inner sleeves of the spider gears and our outer gears. So what happens when our spider gears actually begin to start going bad? Well, there are a lot of different scenarios that can actually happen. However, there are a few common ones that will be true signs that your spider gears are failing. And first, I want to say that all of these scenarios will end in the need of replacing your spider gears, which can be a daunting process, but I will cover that briefly later in this segment. So the first failure is that your spider gears begin to chip and crack. And this means that the teeth of the spider gears or the outer gears begin to chip away and this can lead to sharp edges on the gears that are meshing together and in the long run it can to lead to bigger failures. If this begins to happen, you should actually start to notice an audible whirling noise or a clicking noise when you're making a turn. And this is actually caused by those sharp edges on the gears meshing together. Another possible failure is actually one of the gear teeth completely cracking out of its location in the spider gear or the outer gear and causing a gap in the meshing process. And this will lead to a much louder clicking noise when you're making a sharp turn. And let me tell you, this clicking noise is very noticeable. Yes, I did have this happen to me. And you wanna address this issues, both of these issues very quickly. Because with both of these failures, there is actually a possibility of these fragments getting suspended in our gear fluid housed inside our differential and making their way onto our ring gear, then doing a lot more damage to our ring and pinion gears. And let me tell you, that is a whole different mess uh, and it's just a nightmare. And it can lead to very expensive bills if you cannot do this yourself, like the the process of re-gearing or anything of that. So just the process of 
putting new spider gears in and cleaning out your differential and the differential fluid and changing it out will save you a lot of money in the long run. Secondly, both of these failures can actually lead to the loss of power distribution to your wheels. And when you're driving off-road or on-road, and that's not good at all. So just if you start hearing a lot of noise in your differential, definitely just pop off the cover or something of this, you know, pop off the cover is the easiest way to do it and inspect your ring and pinion, inspect your spider gears. It will be a very noticeable chip or crack or something of the sort. Do it. It will save you money in the long run. So now on to the replacement of the spider gears. Respla- replacing your spider gears does count as sound like a daunting task, especially when you open up that differential. However, it really isn't. It's pretty simple. So first, you'll need to remove your axle shafts from your axle housing. And yeah, this can be a bit of a job, but it's pretty straightforward. First, you'll need to remove your brake calipers, brakes, brake caliper mounting brackets, and rotors. Then you can actually access your axle nut. And this will need to be removed as well to get to the wheel unit bearing out of the knuckle assembly. Then after the unit bearing is removed as well, your axle shaft will slide right out. And yes, I know it seems like a lot in reality. It's only about eight bolts and one nut. So yeah, pretty simple. And also your five lug nights that you'll need to remove to get your wheel off. So it's not that difficult. I mean, standard, you know, sockets and wrenches will get it done. And if you have impact guns, it makes this process a whole lot easier. Then you just need to repeat the same process on the opposite side of the axle housing. So now that your axle shafts are removed, you can move on to the differential housing. And actually, you're going to want to probably grab a drip pan or an oil pan to catch the draining gear fluid from your differential. So drain out all the gear oil that is in located inside your differential housing and this will actually make the removing of the diff cover a lot less messier after you have the cover off you can actually access the differential bearing caps and this is a huge note the bearing caps are specific to the side that they are located on so i personally mark them somehow best practices using a punch and scoring the bearing cap with an l or an r or a couple dots to you know really differentiate what's top and what's bottom and also left and right they need to go back in the same way they came out it makes everything a whole lot easier and won't lead to other problems down the road Now, all you have to do is remove the bearing caps and then your differential carrier will be free. Now, there are bearing shims on each side of the differential and these are even more important to keep straight because they actually control your backlash, which is the amount of distance that your ring and pinion gear will move in relation to each other. And also it measures your side-to-side movement and keeps it all in alignment. So, best way to do it is get two plastic baggies, sandwich bags or something of the sort, put it left and a right and put them in there and then you know exactly which is which. Now that the differential carrier is out, we can replace the spider gears. 
And when replacing the spider gears on one side of the center shaft in the differential carrier, there will be a set pin retaining the center shaft in the carrier. And you will need to remove this pin to actually remove the center bar that is running through your two spider gears. So after you remove the set pin, your bar should be pretty free to move out. You might need to get a small hammer to you know, give it some persuasion, as I call it, persuasion to get that bar out. But it, it should slide out pretty easily. After that bar is out, your spider gears and your outer gears will be free to move about and you just pop them out, pop the new ones in. Yes, this can be a bit of a process to get everything lined back up, especially with the outer thrust washers and bearings. And it, it just take your time. It's not that difficult. I, I've done it a couple of times and I wouldn't think about, you know, doing it in a matter of a couple hours. It will save you a lot of time and money in the long run. I've seen guys that, you know, blew apart their spider gears and all of a sudden their ring and pinions are gone. A whole bunch of stuff. The list is endless of what I've seen happen if your spider gears blow out. And the worst thing that can happen is that you're stranded somewhere out on a trail and you're that guy that needs to get towed all the way back. Which, that has not been me, by the way. So thank you for listening to this week's Wrangler Talk. And remember, head over to our website at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us an email or leave us a voice message if you have any questions. I'd be more than happy to help you out with anything you need. Um, recommendations for spider gears or something of the sort if you have any tech questions or something like that. So talk to you next week on the Wrangler Talk. Spider gears. How do you make your uh, spider run? I guess is uh, is how we should call that. You know, it's when I uh, first put in my uh, my Spartan locker in the front, and I pulled out my spider gears out of my Dana Thirty carrier, and and it was like you know those kind of spilled out, and it's like that 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 first kind <laughs> of like. <gasps> Oh no, but it's just like, okay, no, it's all good. I, I'm never going to be using these again. And I, I do have them in a plastic bag somewhere. They're kind of like, I think they might be hanging on a wall in my garage. Or they're kind of tucked into a little, you know, parts bin or something somewhere, but no, I still got them. I still got them for, you know, whatever purpose. They're never going to get used ever again, but uh, no spider gears. Yeah. Gotta you, love them. You're supposed to run a piece of wire through them, hang them from your uh, bumper. Uh, rear bumper oh, there, Oh, yeah, like those uh, guys uh, hanging stuffed animals <laughs> from the back of their Subarus. No, like truck nuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> really grinds my gears. <laughs> and now the top five reasons you need to jo- <laughs> And now the top five reasons you need a Jeep Talk Show sticker on your Jeep. Number five, it adds 15 horsepower to your engine. Well, at least according to the kid with the Honda down the street, it does. <laughs> Number four, having a mil- mental illness. Oh, gee, I'm going to have a hard time with this one. Having a mental illness makes you feel a little better when you know you're not the only one. Look, over there, there's one of those Jeep talk show people. Get him! <laughs> Number three, people will think you're diverse, cultured, <laughs> electric, eccentric, electric. What, what is that word? Eclectic? Eclectic, thank you. Number three, people will think you're diverse, cultured, eclectic, and enjoy the finer tastes in life. Well, that's probably more due to the Jeep and not the sticker, though. 
<laughs> Those not in the know will likely just think that you watch too much daytime TV or something. I learned a new word today. Number two, all fuel stations in the U.S. will give you a 15% discount on your fuel purchase. Participation and availability will vary and is unlikely, if not improbable. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and the number one... And the number one reason you need a Jeep Talk Show sticker on your Jeep? People asking, what is the Jeep Talk Show? Then asking, what's a podcast? And you being the upstanding representative of an entire species of motorsport enthusiast will be obliged to answer them while standing there in the rain <laughs> holding a paper bag full of groceries because the entire state has for some reason in all of their glory decided that plastic bags with handles are evil as crack cocaine and have band together with uh, just about everybody else to ban them from society with is just as much fervor. But don't mind that. Go ahead and teach this overly curious Prius owner what a podcast is while the entire bottom of the paper bag you have to spend 10 extra cents on falls apart in your hands. You know, I think you can get a gross of plastic bags from Amazon, so you could just, like, strew them across the parking lot. <laughs> Go skipping into the grocery store. Ha-ha, here are plastic bags for you. Just everywhere, bags yes. For you and <laughs> That's some springtime music. <laughs> hey, guys. It's Allie from Canada again. Uh, thank you for your uh, feedback on the two-liter turbo. Uh, doing a little more research on it, and it turns out those son of a bitches at SCA won't put a manual transmission behind it. So Aww. I guess I'm going as Tony suggested, and probably the smarter choice anyway, because uh, we really want that manual transmission. That's what's in my TJ, and it's what my wife wants. It's what she likes to drive. So we'll be getting the uh, Pensar. Unfortunately, we got to order one, so we're, I don't know how many week lead time that's going to be, but. We'll be uh, ordering one and getting it replaced, uh, hopefully soon. So uh, thank you for your opinions and uh, appreciate it. Keep up the great work. How much better would this world be if people just did what Tony said? I, yeah, I, I'm serious. <laughs> the same thing, I, same thing I tell my wife all the time. Look, I, you know, I, I've kind of sort of prided myself on a lifetime of never giving bad advice to people. And it's like, it's, I I mean, the king of I told you so. It's like, well, if you just want to listen, you know. <laughs> oh, well, but it wouldn't be fun that way. You have to have no. that little, uh, will they listen or won't they? You know, will they, yeah, will they find out it's a right decision later or now? <laughs> that internal gamble. I'm not a gambler either. I got plenty of gambling going on in my head and betting on you people. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Hey, are you a Jeeper who takes their top off? If so, find out where the best place is going to be to go topless with Mitch in Jeep weather coming up later in the show. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit damn it that's a good uh, promo oh, i did that though? one i did that one didn't i yeah so but <laughs> seriously though this is a damn good show come on people step up and do a paid subscription to this show today just go over to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the little subscribe button uh you just uh, sign up and uh, for a little more than two dollars a month you can help support the show financially 
And now that we don't have those bastard Amazon people helping us out, we really need the help. <laughs> yeah, really, though. <laughs> All right, people, let's bring this meeting to order. We've got a new member with us. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, uh, hi, everybody. I'm Sid, and I've been sober for 42 days. Hi, uh, Sid. Sid. Do, do you guys know about the Cheap Talk Show? Oh, come on. <laughs> Get down, Sid. Go have a drink. The Cheap Talk Show. We don't specialize in that kind of recovery. Forgot about that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a gem right there. <laughs> that's another one of those damn like, Goodman promos. And you did that one, Josh. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago, too. Oh, that was hilarious. Hey, Tony and Josh. Great show. Been listening for a little over a year. Uh, I commute a lot from Arizona to San Diego, so you occupy my time on my drive, and I appreciate that. A lot of times I'm yelling at the radio. <laughs> disagreeing with you, but I never comment. Today's comment about steps and the electric steps that come out, and you you guys really said they're worthless, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Uh, three words for you. Rock slide engineering. They make an awesome product. They're electric steps. They're also functioning rock sliders. You may want to check them out. Uh, love your show. Keep it up. Thanks. Uh, three words for you. You don't have them. <laughs> no. Well, and I, 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 think I, the, I think it's wonderful that you're yelling at your, uh, at your, uh, radio that's playing our show and thank you very much for listening. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I bet you don't have a pair. I mean, I bet you don't have a set of those on your Jeep. I just don't see I, the I point think, in them, Josh. I think I've seen, I've heard of these before and, and I haven't seen them in person because I think they're like two grand or something like that, <laughs> you know? And, and it's just like, I don't know a, a jeeper that that can you know afford these sort of things. Uh, but you know, I, yeah, I, I, you're right. I don't know about them. I, I've heard about them. I have not seen them or had experience with them personally. Uh, but I think, you know, it's sort of at the, uh, the, the, the price tag, you know, two grand for, for a set of sliders it just might not pencil out in the end. I don't, you know, you know, regardless of how functional they are, uh, I, but nonetheless, thanks for the tip. I really do appreciate that. And, and for setting us straight. Uh, yeah, again, if you ever hear something and, and we're not a hundred percent correct on that, by all means, call us like that last listener did and, uh, and let us know, set us straight about something that we don't quite have correct. We all always, uh, uh, sort of, uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, uh, open to suggestion. Constructive criticism. There you go. Sure. So I don't know that there's initially a correction going on here. He's just saying there's a set of electric sliders that are, you know, uh, good sliders. Good. uh, I I still don't see the reason for sidesteps. Well, I mean, if you got if you got uh, you know Dana sixties and fifty twos, I mean, you're running Rockwells. Then you you don't. uh, It doesn't matter. You can have sidesteps. They can drop down (laughs) two feet at that point, and you're not going to have a problem. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're allowed. Uh, I mean, you, unless you're like uh, wheeling uh, boulders in, uh, I don't know, California, Colorado, or, you know, on the moon, uh, because you're going to have a lot of height. So, but but just on a, a, you know, a Jeep that's lifted, maybe on 35s, maybe on 37s, maybe even 40s, uh, the, the anything that drops down is not going to be a good thing. And uh, I, I still say, why do you need sti- sidesteps? Is there, is, you know, are you... Have you had your you know third hip replacement and and you just need that extra ump to get up there? Well, yeah, I understand. That's a that's like a medical issue that you need something that you want a jeep and you need something like hey, that. Li- Great, little people can can drive lifted jeeps too. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> Short people. Uh, very true. But uh, it's just, I saw a woman getting in a Jeep the other day and she she could not get in the Jeep. She, uh, just, you know, trying to pull herself in. So she got on the back tire and then stepped on the side rails and then got in the Jeep. So, you know, you go, to the, yeah, you go to the gym to get a workout <laughs> or you can get in your Jeep. It's the same thing. You know, maybe, maybe Tony, here's what we need to do. We need to look at this uh, as an opportunity and, and maybe we need to reach out to Rockslide Engineering and get them sure. on the show to really take them to task and ans- ask them some hard questions. Uh, and, and really, you know, um, uh, approach this as as we're going to hold their feet to the fire and, and see if if they really stand behind their own product and, and whether or not you know they can answer some 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 tough questions regarding uh, the strength and, and resiliency of their of their product. Uh, so that might be something we we'll have to look into and, and thank this last caller. Uh, I don't didn't catch his name uh, for for the idea. Uh, we might just uh, look at look into that and and get uh, get Rockslide Engineering on the show. And um, and see what they have to say about their product. Hey, I have no doubt that somebody can make a good set of sliders that have uh, uh, that drops down so you can use them in steps. But like you say, you got to you got to spend a lot of money to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and whenever I'm talking about the the sliders with steps, those things are generally you know three or four hundred bucks, and they don't they're not even, they're thin wall construction, and they don't even lift hold the uh, the, uh, the weight of the vehicle before they start bending. So, uh, it's just uh, in general, it's, it's not a a good idea. From around the world (laughs) or from your city and sometimes just down the street. Howdy neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Adio, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. Uh, tonight, we're going to be uh, speaking with Ferentz. He was originally a lawyer and uh, has lived in seven different countries and traveled through 10 times more than that, having recently left the corporate world in the city of London. During the last few years, he's been focusing on overlanding, where uh, he can combine two things uh, he is most passionate about, cars and traveling. His experience in overlanding comes from extensive trips on three different continents, with the latest being Budapest to Singapore, <laughs> Singapore, easy for me to say, uh, with a Land Cruiser 120 and a rooftop tent. He is blogging about his trips in- intensively uh, <laughs> when not on the road. Uh, Ferrets lives uh, with his travel companion, Evelyn, in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, their website is overlandsite.com. Now, you were working in London, England, so I have to ask you the hard-hitting question first. What the hell happened with Doctor Who? <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you did you watch did you watch any of the doctor who are you familiar with the, the most recent season yeah, yeah i'm familiar i mean i'm not yeah i mean they've screwed it up yes they've screwed it up man but anyway i'm just giving you a hard time so thank you very much for joining us here on the show and uh wow this is uh this is great we don't get a lot of international uh guests and uh thanks for reaching out and uh i think you're gonna have a wonderful story to tell us no thank you very much for having me on the show it's it's a very interesting i mean um, I've only listened to a few episodes so far, but I'm pretty sure I'll be a regular listener. Well, down. well that's about as many as anybody can get through. They get through a couple and they go, ah, I had enough of this stuff. <laughs> well, there was 300 odd episodes, so I think I'm going to have to take my time to get through them. But oh, yeah, it's def- definitely very interesting. Anything around this subject interests me, so it's not going to be hard for me to listen to it. So let me ask you, how did you get interested in the overlanding to start with? Do you just have uh, the wanderlust where you got to get out and do things? Did you yeah. just want to see well, things? What was it? I've, I've always been, I've always been um, 
not even i'd like to say is use the word passionate but that's just a bit cringy here but i'm just very very keen on traveling i, I love traveling and then with a couple of friends of mine in 2014 we decided to drive from london to mongolia so we we bought the truck on ebay and then uh, a few months later we jumped into the car and uh decided to drive to Mongolia. We had some support from a charity which organized this uh, trip for, uh, for for the participants. It's basically, we had to drive the car all the way to Mongolia, no matter, it, it didn't matter which way. And then, because we didn't get support on the road. And then we were supposed to donate the car to uh, a school um, and, and they're gonna, or actually a hospital, it depended on where it ended up, but they would have used it uh, locally. What happened was we went through Central Asia, including Iran as well, and the car was literally unfixable. The alternator died. There was no parts around. It was a small village. We had to abandon the car. We oh, actually no. sold it for a very, yeah, it was a very sad moment because it was like, you know, three guys, three friends driving through uh really exotic for us very exotic places uh, lots of adventure and then suddenly we basically had to rely on buses and other people to drive us and then flying we we made it to mongolia anyway but and then we locally hired a, a, another land cruiser and uh, sorry a land cruiser and then uh, went to see mongolia that way but that gave me the idea to to basically wanting to do this again and and a lot so um that's where i got the idea that's where i got the sort of apart um, other than being a, a very keen traveler now i knew that i actually want to do this in a car like I, I didn't know before that you can drive around the whole world with a car with a truck and and that's when it started that's when it all started that okay i want to drive more and i want to go further and and i just i just want this kind of lifestyle not just you know uh, a holiday right not just uh yeah yeah this is all where it started basically so there's often a very common question that people have kind of a hard time answering what is overlanding okay uh i i actually wrote quite a long article about this and and there's many aspects of it and it's I can see that online in many forums and, and different platforms, people are discussing this. So I think it's a very good question. I think it's a vehicle-based travel where you're independent. So you rely on your car and it could you could be in a jungle, you could be in a desert, and it needs to be able to do it. So it tends to be a 4x4 or a very capable vehicle because you don't necessarily use roads when you're overlanding but it's not a rock climbing event so you don't have to have the kind of you know 37s on your car and then uh you know go up on a vertical rock wall but you're gonna have to go through you know the sahara desert or the central asian uh, rocky mountains and places like that so you, you do need a capable car but not necessarily uh, one that you would uh, you would you would rock climb with. That's one right. aspect I think. And then another aspect is, it's. I mean, I don't think in terms of like what you drive. I don't think it matters because uh, I've seen people driving from from you know from Europe to all the way to Australia in very small cars. 
as long as you know how to you know use it in tricky situations how to get out of them if you get stuck and um and as long as the car is it can do like a fiat for like a fiat panda four by four it's a very capable car if you use it for touring and not for you know hard four by four events and stuff right but so i think as long as you know your own vehicle you can use anything and but it needs to go through a desert and it needs to go snow and needs to go a lot of things so um I don't think you can drive your average, uh, you know, everyday car anywhere. The, the point is, you're going to miss out on the best places where you see the most. That's, right. The, I it, think it, that's, that's, a, that's a key thing. The whole thing is an independence thing. You want to be self, self-sufficient, uh, yeah, independent, yeah. and go places where perhaps not the, the generic traveler would go, see things that the generic traveler wouldn't do. Yeah, and, and it tends to be a longer in both time and distance a longer kind of travel overlanding that's one thing and and people tend to get stuck on talk about to, talking about the, the the vehicle itself but i think it comes to um having to know some others like you haven't you have to have skills to do this and it's not it's not just how to use your winch or how to use a high lift, high lift jack it's also how to you know how to find the next market where you buy fresh food in tajikistan or uh, you know even in germany can you drive by the, can you park by the road and sleep there you need to know these kind of rules you need to have some kind of you know even just researching the local rules you need to know um you know with, can you in some countries i was I didn't do my research. I couldn't wear shorts in Chechnya when we were driving through. Oh, really? That's it, interesting. It, it was like a hundred degrees, and you know, being a, being a Muslim place, you you you're supposed to uh, you know respect the local rules. And one of the rules was, which I actually knew, the same rule exists in Iran, and I knew that, and I and I didn't wear shorts, even if it was like 120 degrees Fahrenheit. But in Chechnya, I didn't know that this same rule they uh, they follow the same rule so a couple of people stopped me on the street and told me off like you can't wear this it's it's disrespectful <laughs> right which was obviously i find it quite interesting because they might have bigger issues to worry about than that than my shorts but <laughs> yes. you know yeah. it's their country i'm there i'm supposed to respect their rules fair enough sure but that's just one extreme ex- extreme example uh uh, but you you know in mongolia you need to know you need to find out which office to go to to extend your visa stuff like that right do you do you drive on the re- left or right which seems to be basic but if you forget it in a roundabout then you're in trouble <laughs> uh, yeah I can, see, <laughs> I can see how that would be a problem <laughs> yeah so it's i think there's a lot of soft skills involved on uh, other than other than how to be a good off-roader you need to know a lot of other stuff if you're overlanding uh, through different countries i mean for you folks in the u.s i mean driving all the way down to argentina on the pan-american you probably have a better experience and uh you, your trip is gonna be just better if you know some spanish right you you're gonna be able to solve some tricky situations and things like that so there's a lot of other stuff to consider and when it comes to i guess when somebody has been traveling a lot uh you can pick up these experiences and these knowledge or skills but 
then you have the the unique part of overlanding where you end up in remote places where a normal tourist or a normal traveler wouldn't wouldn't go to because just there's no means to go to places like that so you end up in beautiful places non-visited camp well not campsites but like places where you can camp and it's just a fantastic experience I yeah think, those little gems and those yeah. little gems I, i'm sure are very uh, fun to uh, and surprising to find yeah i was going to ask about the communications thing i don't know how many languages uh, you speak but i would think that that would be part of the um the skills that you would need to uh, either uh, have or pick up uh, quickly while you're traveling through different countries having to uh, especially for those uh, those individuals that they don't see tourists a lot I would imagine that you might even run across some people that just don't have the time to uh, try to communicate with you because you don't know their language. Do you did uh, did you have to develop some people skills to uh, to, to get through the overlanding? Well, uh, y- yes, but technology helps a lot. Well, first of all, obviously English helps. I don't speak any other language than than my own mother language, mm-hmm. Hungarian, and uh, and I speak English. But uh, I mean, I. I know some words in other languages and I get by in, in, a, in one more, but it's, it's very, um, everybody is very happy to see you when you're in places where there is no other tourists. Oh, it's just interesting. absolutely great experience to, to experience when to experience that kind of, you know, welcoming, uh, uh, very, very kind and nice people that you meet in remote places. It's just incredible. So, already they will want to speak to you they will speak to you in their local language they will give you food drinks everything they just are very very nice people in general in like i don't know 99.9 percent of the places where i've been to oh that's great and yeah it's it's fantastic and today you can like we had this evening the whole evening where we met this russian family in kazakhstan and they were really insisting us to join them for dinner in their little cottage where we ended up in this uh, uh, in this national park in Kazakhstan and obviously we were the only ones there who were not from Kazakhstan there's a lot of Russians living in Kazakhstan and they uh, this family and and their friends were in these few cabins in the national park so we joined them for dinner we didn't have a common word to speak because they only spoke Russian we only spoke English or Hungarian so there was nothing to <laughs> Uh, there was no means yeah. we thought to communicate and then we started to use uh google translator you oh. can actually speak speak into your phone and the phone will translate everything that you say obviously if you break it down to short sentences that's best but i think we had a conversation for like three hours and some vodka helps obviously <laughs> but of course it was it wasn't a problem Seriously, it's just, uh, it's, That's a, great. Uh, it's probably a fairly new thing. Well, it's new to me for sure that you can do this, but now the language barrier is not as much of a barrier anymore. You know, you can't help but wonder what God's going to do this time. The last time uh, everybody spoke uh, one language and they built a tower, he uh, he caused everybody to come up with different languages. So now with, uh, with Google Translator, I wonder what the next big thing he's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so as long as you have internet you can use google translate well, that was, that was going to be my question how is the internet whenever you you're traveling around yeah. surely it's not great yeah. everywhere yeah so you would think but then what we did is we, we we always bought once once we entered the country 
we looked for the first, uh, you know, a cell phone shop and bought a local SIM card. And there were some areas where it was patchy. The, the reception was, mm -hmm. uh, the signal wasn't strong enough. But again, in most places, even surprisingly in like in the Gobi Desert, we had cell phone signal. <laughs> That's and, amazing. And it's crazy. It's really crazy. You 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 literally look around. There's nobody around. There is no not a single uh, a single sign of of you know human civilization. Mm -hmm. And you have 4G on your phone, and you can <laughs> I don't know you know have a Skype call with your family. Well, back home. well, that makes a huge difference for overlanding when you can stay in communication like that. And I would assume GPS is everywhere, so that you can even uh, uh, track your yeah, location yeah. fairly uh, fairly accurately. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, are you familiar with uh, SpaceX and the whole Starlink thing that they're doing? SpaceX, yes, sure. And they're putting up those uh, those those satellites, the Starlink satellites, where they're going to have mm -hmm. high speed worldwide uh, internet. It's it's just going to get better for you guys if you want to go over I, over landing in the any desert, any place on the world in the world, unless it's the North Pole or the South Pole. Yeah. So have they actually started to do that? I thought it, it was just a plan. Uh, oh like no, they. Uh, I think they have either sixty or one hundred and twenty satellites up already. Okay. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think it's supposed to be uh, uh, partially online here uh, in the next six months or so. So it'll it'll take them a while. They're they're putting a lot of satellites up, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, uh, with overlanding, actually, it's going to be interesting to see how the, everything works because you know, literally, uh, you could uh, you could live out of your vehicle if you wanted to. Like, you know, if you had the high speed internet wherever you went, my gosh, it it really wouldn't matter where you where you were, if, especially if you had an online type business or a blogging site. Uh, like you mm -hmm. have. Oh, by the way, let's remind people because uh, sometimes people go, "Oh, well, let's listen to this guy." And uh, oh, wait a minute, what was the name of that uh, that website? Uh, what was the name of your uh, your site again? Yeah, uh, it is overlandsite.com. So what we're trying to do is document our trips, but also trying to you know write some useful articles about it, like using our experience, like how to do this, how to do that, and uh, some how-to articles, and also. Uh, you know, giving giving people tips on 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 how to do more overlanding. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me ask you this: This is something I like to ask the overlanding folks. Uh, what was it? What was the thing that you wished that you had have taken, and what was the thing or things that you wish you hadn't have taken? Uh, like on your first big overlanding trip. Okay. Well, I wish. Uh, well, on the first overlanding trip that I, the major one that. I've done. I wish we had a spare alternator. I was just going to say you wanted an alternator. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but obviously you can't. You cannot really. Uh, you know, you cannot really take every single spare part with you. So no. it's uh, that's not feasible. Uh, but in this, actually, in the in the in the Budapest Singapore uh, trip that we've done in 2018, I wish we had a high leap jack. So we uh, yes. we we were in trouble a few times because I just didn't have one. I think because it's a compromise, especially if you're going on a very long trip, that weight is a key factor. And I decided not to take uh, a highly jack. That was a mistake. <laughs> now I know. So is that something you make sure that you have uh, from from there on as a high lift jack on your uh, on your rig now? Yes. Yeah. They're so they're so useful. They're, they can be do, used for many things besides uh, 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 you know lifting a vehicle up. You can use them as like a come along, oh, yeah. kind of a, a like a, a winch almost. So yeah, I can I can see how that would be uh, very handy. 
Um, yes, and, and it, it sorry, just um, the like a situation where it would have helped us. It like it's we could still solve the situation, but it took us four hours right. rather than three minutes. That's yeah. the difference. So, like when you're out in the middle of the desert, do you have anything that you can use as an anchor point uh, for the desert? Like one of those uh, shovelkin things? I forget what they're called, but basically they angle down into the 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 sand, and as you pull. Uh, with a winch, it, it it makes it go deeper and gives you an anchor point. Um, I don't have that one, but I just um, I just figured if we get into that situation, I would probably bury a tire of spa the spare tire. Right, bury that and use that. Uh, obviously, in loose sand, I don't know if that would have worked, but uh, luckily, I didn't have to do that anyway. I was just curious. So um, the the vehicle that you chose uh, to to go over landing with. Did you did you pick it for uh, the parts availability for where you were going, uh, storage, or what, what? What was the determining factor? Okay, there's a, there's a few things. So first of all, this is the, the Toyota Prado 120 Land Cruiser. Uh, it's just called the Land Cruiser here in Europe, but you guys have it as the Lexus GX 470. It's actually the same car. Uh, we have a diesel engine here in it, but you would have, I guess, a V8. Um, uh, a gas engine so it's essentially the same car so you guys also know it mm -hmm. and the the reason why i chose this one this is widely available in europe this this vehicle and i when i bought it i bought it as a daily driver actually i still use it as a daily driver and i needed a car where it's I don't just have a rig that sits in the garage or sits somewhere in the backyard and I don't use it for anything else. I, I, I can't have a car sitting, you know, just not doing anything only on big trips. And then, so I, I bought something that I could use on, on a daily basis. And when it, you know, when our plan materialized that we're actually going to go on the, on this big trip, actually a couple of big trips, because first we drove to Africa, North, North West Africa. We've done a, a very tough rally first, and then we set off onto the big uh, on the big adventure. But basically, we converted our daily driver to use on the big overland trips, uh, and and it's converted in a way that when the trip ended, we just converted it back to being a daily driver. So oh, the conversion was only so we made it a little bit uh, better off road, which was which means it it had a uh, three four inch lift uh, we installed a snorkel so it's a very basic stuff so also uh, you know bash plates underneath and uh, I built with my father I built a drawer system in the back and also a, like a fridge slide and just basic stuff that you would even need for a weekend mm -hmm. and uh, a proper roof rack and with a rooftop tent and you know like a, a third uh, battery to use uh, when we when we stationary and and things like that fold down table very basic very convenient stuff that people most often have when they start overlanding right. and then um the parts availability the reason why i chose toyota this is very obviously very uh widely available here where we live and then also when when i was traveling there was literally no country where i didn't see a toyota land cruiser or some kind of version of the land cruiser so i thought okay and having had the bad experience with the mitsubishi 
I thought, okay, I'm not going to use a car <laughs> or any kind of brand that is not widely available oh, in the whole course. world. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, so uh, it, if we had a Toyota in 2014, well, first, I believe it wouldn't have broken down. Second, <laughs> if it did, uh, if it would have, uh, we, we would have found, found, found a part. So. So now you've tra- traveled a lot. You've been off road uh, or overlanding, I should say, for uh, many, many days, uh, maybe even months, even. And I've got to ask you, how many UFO abductions have you been a part of, and and, and can you tell us about them? <laughs> have you seen anything? Seriously, have you seen anything up in the sky that you couldn't readily identify? I mean, uh, you know, I think about that when people are, especially whenever they're out, and uh, I'm sure you spend a fair amount of time outside the vehicle whenever you're. Uh, camping uh, at, at a site. I just, uh, you know, you hear about all this stuff, and I'm just curious: is there any interesting well, UFO stories? But, uh, <laughs> we don't have UFO stories, but there was something I couldn't identify when I looked at the sky. It was in Turkmenistan, and where where we live, it's like basically it's Central Europe. It's very, it's like a crowded place. You know, a lot of cities, a lot of lot of towns, a lot of uh, light pollution. Mm-hmm. I got out the car in in Turkmenistan in a, in a place called the Karakoram Desert. It's a very dry place. It's one of the driest places on earth and it's far from everything. Literally there is no cities, no towns, nothing around. And I looked at the sky and it's obviously, it looked totally different than, than, than where yeah. we live because it was billions of stars I could see. So we, we, we could literally see the, uh, the Milky Way. So was, and I couldn't, so if you ask me about unidentified, stuff on the sky i couldn't identify what i'm seeing there because <laughs> this is the big blur it was so beautiful it was incredible i've yeah. never seen it before and uh it was it was incredible yeah that's really cool uh i've only uh, i've only experienced that once i'm in the, the houston area like the fourth largest city in the united states mm-hmm. so there's lots of light pollution and uh yeah, yeah. It, it does having a telescope doesn't really make much sense out here but uh, boy getting out there in the sticks where there's no light pollution what a wonderful thing that must have been yeah yeah. Well, let's remind everybody uh, the uh, the website and uh, tell us about your uh, social media uh, sites because I know people are going to want to uh, also go to the site to read your uh, your blog posts and also to uh, jump over to the social media and then maybe see a, a picture or two. Thank you. Yeah, the website is overlandsite.com. Uh, it's got a blog section and also some kind of uh, some some guides and useful articles as well. And then uh, social media, you can anybody can find us on Instagram. It's also called Overland Site. There we are called Overland Site and Facebook page, same name. And now we're trying to build a YouTube channel to uh, because we were filming uh, all along uh, on every single trip that we've done. And now we have more time to put the videos together. We are editing them now. We have a, a, a series that's already up there and it's online. The uh, Budapest Bamako series, which is about our Northwest Africa adventure mm-hmm. well i cannot tell you it must be a fascinating life and uh, i bet you when you're when you're back home you are uh, getting antsy to get back out there and uh, travel again it sounds like it's a lot of fun oh and I, I'll, I'll give you a little tidbit at least from the united states uh we don't call our our jeeps cars 
They're either jeeps yeah, no, or off-road vehicles that. or trucks. Yeah, yeah. When I when I when I say the word, I always like no. It's actually it's not a car. It's a truck. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotta give you a bit of a hard time about that. You call it whatever you no, want because uh, you're out there walking the walk. You don't have to actually uh, name things properly. So, I'll, I thank you very much for being with us. A very interesting uh, uh, story, and uh, we'll have to be checking out the OverlandSite.com and following along on your uh, Instagram and Facebook page. Thanks very much. Thank you. Really, it was really nice, and thank you for having me again. Of course. Hey, big thanks again goes out to Ferenc for letting us know about another great source for overlanding information, guidance, and uh, even some gear. Be sure to check it out over at overlandingsite.com. Hey, do you work in the off-road industry or maybe know somebody who does? Maybe you're running an off-road-related website. Well, we want to know about it. We would like to have you on the show to talk about it, promote your business or gear, whatever you got going on. Or maybe even just tell your own, share your own Jeep story. Everybody's got one. We want to hear yours. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your ideas for a next great guest. Coming up next week, Josh Hotsnazi, Josh Hosnazi, say that three times fast, will sit down with us and talk about ham radio and APRS, what it all means and what it can do for off-road and how to get into it. It's really easier than you think. Uh, You can uh, look him up at uh, KI6NAZ, that's his amateur radio call sign, or just head over to uh, Ham Radio Crash Course on YouTube and uh, get a little edumacated uh, between now and uh, when we have him on the show next week. How would you like to win $1,500 in Wrangler or Gladiator parts from Extreme Terrain? I would. I know I would. Pick me. Pick me. With tax season in full bloom, Extreme Terrain's Refund Your Build Sweepstakes gives Jeep Talk Show listeners the chance to enter daily to win one of three $1,500 Extreme Terrain gift cards. Entering is easy peasy. Click on the link in today's Jeep Talk Show notes for episode 422 and make sure to enter every single day until February 12th for your best chance to take home a $1,500 gift card to use on your choice of products from Extreme Terrain's catalog. Remember, it's a numbers game, Jeeper. With just under two weeks left, be sure to enter to win each and every day, and Extreme Terrain will foot the bill up to 1500 bucks for your next Jeep parts and accessories order on ExtremeTerrain.com. Three lucky winners will be drawn at random on or around February 19th, 2020. See official sweeps rules for details and eligibility, re- elgi- eligibility requirements. Say that ten times fast. From the mind of Nikki G. This portion of Nikki G brought to you by Teenagers. Want a sink full of dishes and a cupboard full of empty cereal boxes? Try Teenagers. That's Teenagers. Gaming system sold separately. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I was going to come up with a joke about last week's episode being about snow. And uh, snow being a metaphor for cocaine. But I thought a drug joke just wouldn't be so cool in today's culture. So, uh... I pulled this gem out of the old vault. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, <laughs> I really didn't Deja have time vu. to come up with anything this week. I'm having a little bit of problem with my neighbor. I think he's stealing from his work. And uh, he works as a road construction crew. Yeah, I didn't want to believe it. But when I got home, all the signs were there. <laughs> all right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. Have a good one. Bye. Recycled jokes are the best. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep.
And this week we pick an item for your Jeep as so long as it is a TJ, one of our favorite Jeeps ever made. Now this one is going out to all of you people who are getting a tax refund. Ordinarily we try and keep it under or around a hundred bucks or so. Uh, every now and again we uh, come up with an item uh, that just has to be showcased uh, that is really worth your money and uh, and is something that we feel is uh, would certainly upgrade your Jeep. And this one would be uh, would fall into that category of uh, tax refund money acquisition. And this is an all-new reinforced cage kit uh, for your Jeep TJ. And this is a seven-piece kit from Smitty Built. Uh, and this one is really rock solid. Uh, it turns your uh, strengthens your factory roll bar into a solid foundation if a rollover ever takes place. Starts off with 1020-120 wall DOM tubing, which is one of the strongest materials available for roll cage fabrication. Each kit includes the new knuckle system that they have uh, that's proprietary and that attaches to the factory roll bar using a pivot and fastening point system. All cages are engineered to bolt into place, require no welding or modifications to the vehicle. Comes with a full padding and protective cover kit for that OEM look too. Now, in my humble opinion, although this isn't going to be as good as a fully triangulated weld-in kit, honestly, this is going to be miles better than uh, just having oh, any yes. kind of an accident than with just the stock bar right. by far. Uh, it's going to strengthen the overall tub, um, the, the feel of the Jeep in, and, and uh, itself, uh, not to mention give you a serious degree of protection as well should the worst ever happen. Uh, and uh, uh, this does come with a little bit of a price tag. Like I said, uh, you know, we're tax return money acquisition, one of those things. $551 um, is, what, uh, is what the price tag is on this for a seven-piece roll cage kit that bolts into your existing TJ frame or existing TJ roll, uh, roll bar uh, and does a serious amount of re-engineering and strengthening uh, to, to that kit. Uh, so if you want to get this yourself, uh, $551. Bucks, and uh, what do you think, Tony? What do you think of the looks of this thing? I think it looks really cool. Uh, I wish I had uh, 551 bucks to throw away right now. I think this would be a wonderful thing to put on the wife's Jeep, even though it's never going to be uh, taken off-road unless I take it off-road. Just the idea of a rollover, an accident on the on you know the a regular street or the highway or anything like this, this would give her so much more protection. Oh, absolutely! Uh, in, in a rollover or just uh, on on its side, even. And you know that the, even though you don't notice it, there the the body is going to be flexing uh, as you're driving, especially if you're off road and putting this uh, additional cage uh, on there, the additional cage pieces. It's going to stop that flex, and it's just going to feel more solid. The body's just going to feel yeah. a lot more solid, and you'd probably notice it just driving down the road too, in some in some circumstances. Yep, I mean cross members tie ins to the uh, to the A pillars, um, uh, back around uh, to a triangulated reinforcement of the the rear of the cage. I uh, just they really well, it looks did like, a l looks like they even have the, a bar across the dash too. So yeah. it even protects the uh, the windshield area, which is, is great. Uh, you because the you probably still would get some glass, but it you may not with uh, that kind of protection. True, true. And really, there's, I mean, uh, as far as an engineering standpoint goes, they really did their homework on this one. Uh, I would do only one thing to improve on this, and that would be the behind-the-seat bar. Yeah. Uh, what they would call, uh, you know, for a front harness or something like that. Yeah, like a three-point. Uh, right, exactly. That would be the only thing I would add to this. I think you can add that on for an additional 100 or 120 bucks or something like that. I know there's a bunch of... Uh, manufacturers out there that that make that as a standalone kit uh, to add into the and add into the roll bar as well. So a little bit of TJ love this week here. 
Um, uh, and, and seriously, if you're looking for a, for a winter project, uh, something to really you know step up your Jeep game for the next spring and summer, and, and seriously improve your safety as well, uh, check out this Smitty Built seven point uh, or seven piece cage kit for the Jeep TJ. Uh, five hundred and fifty one bucks, and comes with free shipping. And of course, now that you must have this for your own Jeep, uh, we'll go ahead and have a link in episode four twenty two for you. You can check this out for yourself. Hey guys, this is Nate from Michigan. Hey, thanks for the extra long show. Sorry about the uh, power outage, Josh, or the internet outage. But uh, I'm glad you guys made an extra long show because I drove to Chicago on Sunday, and it gave me something to listen to. So, um, anyways, I was listening in. You guys are always bashing the uh, power step, but uh, I wanted you guys to see, don't know if you've seen these before, but Rock Slide Engineering actually makes a pretty good step, but it's actually a power step, but it's a slider as well. And these things are durable. They run these things on hardcore trails. They run them out in Moab. So uh, check them out. They're called Rock Slide Engineering. Just didn't know if you guys had seen those or not. So, um, I've seen a few of them. I don't have any on my own rig, but uh, they seem to be a pretty durable unit. So um, we'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Yeah, earlier. Right, you, uh, they're uh, ganging up on us, Tony. <laughs> I, seriously, what's going on here? Yeah, earlier I, when I said uh, three words, you don't have them. This is the one I was, I was thinking about. It was this caller. Uh, I can't believe that they were both about the same thing. I didn't realize that. (laughs) What are the chances? Well, I knew that uh, taking such a hard stance on on a product like that, uh, we were going to piss a few people off. And and not to say that these guys are are pissed off by any stretch of the imagination. They're they're certainly doing their due diligence and letting us know about what very well could be a a viable product in this this niche. Uh, And this is a, 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 a niche in the field uh, of, of vehicle customization that historically has been filled with products that just don't measure up. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, for every one uh, of these, you know, rock slide engineering, uh, there's going to be a hundred other companies that just don't measure up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And those are what you see out there primarily on 99% of the rigs out there. You don't, you don't see the $2,000 awesome electric sliders. You see the, you know, the three or $400 ones that everybody's buying off of eBay and, and Amazon and, and that they're, you know, half the time stuck halfway down and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just sort of what you see out there and what you, what you experience and, and well, what, what most people can afford and, you know, stuff like that. So. Well, I'd like to put out the call right now for anyone out there that has these rock slide engineering uh, electric sliders on your here, here. Jeep, or uh, maybe you've had them in, in the past, to let us know what did you think about them and why did you have them on your Jeep? What was the, the purpose for it? Because I Ooh, can't or think. Why did you take them off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you probably to because <laughs> you need to make a house payment and you sold them to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, though, were, were they two thousand dollars or are you just remembering? Uh, no, no. I, I while we were uh, sort of the last couple few segments there, I, I went to the uh, their their website and yeah, their their entry level kit eighteen hundred ninety nine dollars. <laughs> oh, Tony, oh my god! Uh, I, I'm I didn't check to see if that included free shipping or not, but God, I think for nineteen hundred dollars, they better ship it to you for free. Does that include a uh, an ARB air locker or a blowjob? Because I think no, it does eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even include installation either. And we're talking about, you know, hooking up electronics and stuff like that. Switches, you know, that's tying into, uh, you know, existing vehicle wiring. I mean, uh, for most people, this would require professional installation. You know, there's another hundred yeah. bucks an hour for you. So, uh, yeah. Well, no, I think it's great. And, and again, if, if, you're, if, you have, if you have a medical need or you just have the cash and you want to have that because you think that's going to make you uh, 
uh, stand out from the crowd, and that's what you want on your Jeep. All power, you know, more power to you. Uh, but uh, I, I still don't see the, any any good sensible reason for side steps on a Jeep. If well, it's if it's that high, just use it in the parade. Is is what I'm you, saying. Well, we you know rope ladder, nice and soft, <laughs> doesn't you know catch on things too much. I don't know. Hey, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown and maybe even around the nation in Wheeling Ware. What a lovely day to be in the woods. I do like being out in nature, especially with my Jeep. Now, Tony, I was uh, out and about uh, earlier this week, and although I didn't have my Jeep, I was, uh, I was dri- driving the daily driver, as it were, uh, out uh, my 40-mile one-way commute out and out to work. Uh, and I was out on lunch break, and I noticed in the parking lot there was a white JKU out there that had a fair amount of money put into it. And you can just tell those Jeeps that, you know, they, this clearly this guy's got, you know, 20 or 30K into, into the Jeep, aside from the vehicle purchase itself. Right. Um, and so I kind of took the time and, and, and walked around a little bit and uh, admired it uh, without, you know, being too much of a fanboy. Uh, so one thing really stood out though um, was what I thought initially were these painted uh, steering links. Um, and you know, he is, is uh, a track bar and, and tie rod, um, and, and uh, all of his uh, steering links up front were, were painted what I thought was painted. And I was like, man, that's a really good paint job. Look how uniform that is. And, and man, he must've just done it. It's clean. It doesn't have a single, you know, chip on it. Oh, uh, what is this? Wait a minute. That's not paint. What is the, and it is upon closer inspection, vinyl wrapped did you get the knife out and actually peel it back a little bit to see that it was vinyl? <laughs> well, you know i didn't want to you know Rat sudden, bastard. Get, get, get the uh, the gun clocked in the back of my head or anything what the hell are you doing uh did no, you know this I, is vinyl <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yes in fact i own the business that did it no um i didn't get a chance to talk with the owner um but i i i did sort of make a fool of myself of climbing, <laughs> climbing down on my hands and knees and, and, and getting a closer look at this person, complete strangers, Jeep, you know, mind you. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a, in a, in a store parking lot and you know, there's people all around, there's other cars around and here's this random dude on his hands and knees, what looks to be sniffing somebody else's Jeep. And it's like, what the hell is this guy doing? No, I wasn't, I wasn't sniffing it. I, I was just like, is that really paint? Is that, what am I seeing here? And, uh, I know it was it was vinyl vinyl wrapped. Um, so for all intents and purposes, basically a sticker, yeah, uh, around around his steering components, and and he had this uh, sort of camouflage uh, a pattern going on it, a very muted camouflage, uh, and that's why originally I thought it was paint. Uh, and then I I start seeing some pattern in it, and I'm thinking, no, no, wait a minute, this is this you know this can't be paint, and and look how you know uniform and clean it is, and you know all that sort of stuff, and and yeah. Um, and so I started thinking about this and I was like, you know, this has got to be a crossover, um, from something that's been popular in the, in the motocross world for, for years now, um, which is essentially fork wraps. Now, uh, for a lot of people who are big into ATVs and stuff, um, who are not rather, um, we're talking about the forks that are on the front of, of, uh, either a quad or, um, or a motorcycle and, uh, and offer, you know, uh, motocross style, uh, bikes that got really big, long travel shocks and a lot of guys uh, to customize their bikes will uh, put stickers or paint or anodize their their forks, their shocks, um, to give them a, a customized look. And and one of the newer trends is uh, either you know hydro dipping, which is essentially um, putting a a um, 
uh, transferring an image onto the surface tension of water. It's kind of like a, then, almost like a paint type thing that it yeah, floats but you, on the you water. Dip the, you dip the part in and, and it wraps. You know, although the image is staying on the surface tension of the water, it is then um, uh, uh, transferred to the part that you are dipping in because the part really is then cool. breaking the 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 uh, uh, the surface tension. Look it up on YouTube; it's going to blow yeah. your mind. I actually have um, uh, some some pieces in here from different uh, car shows and stuff that I've attended, and I'm just using this piece right now. I'm going to hold it up for the camera for Tony's sake. Um, but uh, but this is a, just a piece <laughs> of plexiglass plexiglass that was hydro dipped with this um, sort of smoke uh, smoky skulls. Um, and, you know, uh, pattern. It looks like you know something you'd you'd see uh, sort of uh, flying through the uh, the mist in hell or something like that. Uh, I got that at a car show from a uh, a vendor as as a sample, and um, but really cool stuff. I I don't know if this was hydro dipped or if it was vinyl wrapped. Again, I didn't pull out the pocket knife and start you know trying to pick <laughs> off the size what or the anything hell? like but that. But this tastes like vinyl. Is that that is this vinyl or hydro dip? It tastes like hydro dip. It's a, little, a little salty. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, in the motocross industry, this stuff has been around for years and years and years. Carbon fiber sheets and, and, and yeah. fork wrap sticker kits and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself how easily that can be, you know, transferred over, crossed over into the Jeep world. I'm wondering if that's what this is or maybe this person just has a, you know, a, a, a vehicle wrap company, a vinyl sticker company or something like that. And because they have access to it, they decided to do something unique for their own Jeep that other people aren't doing. But yeah, again, maybe this is one of those trends that are about to start, and we're going to start seeing this sort of stuff pop up. Now, for me personally, I, you know, I, I live in the Northwest. We don't salt our roads up here. Uh, we, we pour gravel all over them. <laughs> um, and, and then, uh, of course, we, we uh, have a lot of rocks and, and clay and silt and stuff up in our trails uh, and logging roads and stuff like that. I, I've painted my, uh, my, my one-ton uh, over-the-knuckle steering. I think I'm on my second or third coating of paint. And I spent a lot of time in the prep on that, um, you know, sanding everything down, uh, putting a good acid etch primer on there uh, and laying down several coats of paint uh, and then putting over, uh, you know, a, a acrylic top coat over the top of that to really harden things up. And even that wasn't good enough after even just a year of, of regular driving and wheeling, uh, that paint has got lots of chips and, 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 and stuff in it. So how this is going to hold up, I honestly don't know. Motor, in the motocross world, these guys go through just as much abuse on the front end of their bikes as the steering components do on our Jeeps. So I would imagine that to some extent, this stuff has got to hold up. So you know, I don't know. Is it just a fad? Is it going to be one of those things that comes and goes? Is it going to be one of those things that only the people who have access to the equipment are going to be able to do? I don't know. What do you think about it, Tony? Is this something that appeals to you or, or no? Well, I've had the same issue with uh, my tie rod because, you know, I've, I've got that really nice chrome molly tie rod that Andy over at Ironman uh, 4x4fab.com built for me. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I got it all. I mean, I, I prepped it to the acid edge primer, uh, this beautiful red paint job on that, that yeah. thing. And, and, and now it don't look so good. No. Um, you know, no, because it it's, it's right there. It's low to the ground. Yeah. It's right there in front, just under the bumper. And it's going to take a lot of uh, a lot of hits, especially going off road. And, and, and woo, I've been off road now too. So uh, I think this uh, this whole idea of, of vinyl is a really cool idea. If it was vinyl, uh, I'm just curious, and, and I'm actually thinking about maybe getting some uh, some vinyl like you use uh, for you know stickers on cars or, or wraps because you, yeah. you can you can buy little pieces like 12 inches, uh, 12 by 12 sheets of this stuff. 
and just sticking some on there and seeing what it does over time. What does it do for the the rock chips and stuff? It's not going to look great, but it would be like a little test to see how it would hold well, up. I would have to imagine this this has to be something that is done on brand spanking new equipment. Now, I don't know a whole lot about vehicle wraps. I, you know, I haven't spent any time in that industry and I don't know a whole lot other than if it's done anything like shrink wrapping, then I know a little something about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, what I do know is that vehicle wraps can hold up to the abuses of everyday driving down the right. street. We don't drive every day on gravel roads and neither do uh, vinyl wrapped vehicles per se. So, however, it seems like the vinyl wrapping does hold up to everyday driving abuse. Um, and for, uh, you know, driving 365 days a year, you would think that even, you know, that much would put more abuse on the first, you know, uh, the, the leading edges of a vehicle uh, more than one day of wheeling uh, out on the trail would. So, you know, if the stuff can hold up to everyday abuse, why couldn't it hold up to some trail abuse, too? Now, obviously, bashing your, your track bar into a rock, you're likely oh, going yeah. to it's, it's gonna damage no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, but, you know, is this stuff going to hold up for the longevity or is this something that you're going to have to replace every time you wash your vehicle? Uh, again, I think the application is going to come down to you're not going to be able to do this on used equipment. If you're on your second, third or fourth coating of painting on your on your, you know, custom steering chances are you're not going to be able to wrap it. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to do a hydro dip on it without completely sanding it down and, and, and really addressing it, getting it back to a factory finish as it were. Um, and really cleaning up the surface to where something like a vinyl wrap could stick to it and adhere without, you know, bubbling. Right. Well, those paint chips are a real pain in the ass. I mean, if you, if you do want it to look presentable, uh, those paint chips really stick out and, and it's really, you have to use a, a kind of a filler, even if you're, you know, prepping it to be yeah. painted again to bring that uh, right. that, that level uh, back up. But otherwise, the paint's just going to go dip down into that chip, and it's just not going to look good. So, um, you know, the, in the big scheme of things, as long as the, uh, the the tie rod does what it's supposed to do uh, and uh, uh, flexes but doesn't bend, it doesn't matter what it looks like. But it, it is nice to put on a new part and, you know, put a nice paint job on and have it, oh, yeah. you know, stand out and look nice. So uh, now, there's nothing you know, wrong I, with a Jeep looking nice, as long as it's uh, functional, in, in my book. No, absolutely. And as far as, you know, uh, uh, you know, creating a theme for your Jeep, you know, if it's, I'm going to do everything, you know, all my all my bars underneath my Jeep I'm, are going to be red, you know, my right. my uh, all my steering components. And I would imagine this stuff could be applied to control arms, too. Now, control arms probably see a lot more rock abuse uh, than, than, say, your, your track bar or tie rod does, hopefully. Uh, you're not, you know, dragging your track bar across rocks too often. Uh, but control arms oftentimes will will uh, will find themselves getting drug and and or a vehicle weight coming down on them. Uh, and even though I could very easily see this sort of stuff being applied to control arms too, um, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't think it would hold up to something like that. Right. Um, probably it would, you know, have a little bit more longevity on your steering than control arms. But uh, you know. If this is for something for like a, a show rig, um, a vendor's vehicle that's you know that's going out to different shows and stuff like that, then I could I could see this being applied to all kinds of things. Well, that vinyl um, would clean up really fast too. To, you know, getting your your really rig ready would. for the show. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I don't I I don't know. It's just one of these things that I've never seen before. Uh, at least in that regard, being applied to uh, something like you know steering components. 
Um, and so it caught my eye and I thought, okay, we've got to talk about this on the show because this very well could be an upcoming fad that we're going to see a lot more of in the coming future. Yeah, that's interesting. I can see how that would have caught your eye. Um, but, uh, tell me were the, was it on uh, 22 inch wheels and, uh, kind of two inch, I, uh, uh, rubber band tires. This, this was, and I hate using this term. This was definitely a pavement pounder, uh, pavement <laughs> princess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, this is an all-white Jeep. The uh, the easily 18 or 19-inch rims were also powder-coated white. Um, this this had a lot of the color-matched accessories, grill inserts, uh, you know, everything, mirrors, um, you know, handles, every, everything on this thing was white. Uh, and then the accents, at least as far as the what I was seeing, uh, were camouflage. Um, and I mean, he had a roof rack, a bunch of LED lights and, and this, stuff like spare tire carrier, you know, front and rear bumpers. I mean, th- clearly a person who had spent a lot of time into, you know, personalizing their Jeep with some high end components. Uh, and then with this hydro dip or vinyl wrapping on the steering links and, and, uh, and stuff as well, really, really sort of giving it, uh, something to pop against. So, yeah. So, so you say camouflage, it, a subtle camouflage. This isn't the one, the picture you sent me that had all the penises that were used for the no! cam- camouflage. Because <laughs> I'm thinking okay, it may it, fit. Not the penis. Inside baseball. Not the, pe- inside not the baseball penis here. fitting. I'm just saying the, 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 so you know, I, the wrap and everything else. I work with a bunch of assholes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they, they, you know, I've been, I've been with the same company for, for what am I, my 14th or 15th year, something like that now. Um, I've been working with a lot of these cats for, for you know, a decade or, or more. And, um, and, and so they know me pretty well. We all, we're all a bunch of jokers and stuff. And, and so I get this, you know, this email the other day from, uh, from, you know, one of my coworkers and it's of course, you know, CC to everybody. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, you know, what, what, uh, Josh needs to paint his Jeep next, you know, with, or something <laughs> like that. And it's, it's like a Toyota Previa or something that they've, that they've like outroaded, you know, they've off-roaded a little bit and turned it into a Mad Max vehicle of some kind or another. It's got jerry cans on it and some mud terrains and, and that's about it. <laughs> and it's like, but the paint job is all these very cartoonish dicks and, and it's in this camouflage pattern though. So uh, at initial glance, you're thinking, oh, this camouflage minivan with all terrains or, you know, mud terrains, whatever. Okay. They're trying to be badass. But then, you know, the next picture is all zoomed in on the paint and it's, oh, well, that's just clearly dick and balls. Great. Okay. <laughs> now I'm not painting my Jeep in a, you know, penis theme. Thanks guys. Warning, this penis may be closer to your face than, than it appears. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, no, so it wasn't like that. It was, uh, it was more of like the, the, uh, the mossy oak or real tree uh, type of pattern, but without the, uh, the tans and browns, it was more of like a minty green. Uh, lots, of, lots of green, uh, uh, muted green tones uh, were, were in this yeah. camouflage pattern. So, yeah, that was interesting nonetheless, uh, and I thought, I'd, I thought I'd bring it up here on the show. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, hey. so Josh, I, uh, I, 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 it took me about 12 hours, but I got my, uh, my, uh, header replaced on my, uh, my Jeep 4.0, my exhaust header. Yeah. And, uh, it's fine. There's, there's no cracks in it. <laughs> well, you re- you replaced it. So you put in a, you put in one that doesn't have any cracks. Damn it. I wasn't going to take it off spend that much time getting it off and put the old one back on there just on the outside chance that something was warped or cracked that i couldn't find but all the ones prior to that uh had been uh, obviously cracked because you could see it uh, the weld said uh, 
I don't know, got brittle, overheated, uh, blah, 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 blah. But I couldn't find a crack on this one. I did, however, find that the uh, the exhaust intake gasket had a very weird, um, like like some material had fallen off of it. And it was the Ooh. at the very back of the uh, of the block, you know. Uh, and actually, I think the, the back of the 4.0 gets a little hotter than the, than the front, if I remember yeah, yep. something uh, Steve 4.3 LXJ had said at some point in the past. And uh, maybe that uh, it, it so it, it appears that it was just a uh, a bad um, a bad uh, a gasket. How many miles would you say that gasket has had on it, give or take, ballpark figure? Just throw it out there. Fifteen, I would say. Fifteen Fif- miles. Fifteen That's miles. A- <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, assuming I don't fifteen thousand. No, it's got to be more than that. That's I, only a, that's only a handful of oil changes yeah, there. And I know you've had that I, thing in uh, there for what a couple few years at least. I'm, uh, I'm thinking so, but you know, this is like the the fourth time that I've replaced the exhaust header on uh, on the 4.0 and. Uh, third or fourth uh counting the original one so i don't know because i in, you know i'd have to take i'd have to make Im- immaculate records to keep up with it when, yeah, you, when you have yeah, more than right. one jeep to work on and they're, they're all 4.0s it gets a little confusing i'd say a uh, conservative estimate would be that you drive a minimum of ten thousand miles a year and i oh, would more say than that, that yeah more yeah, like 12 it, to 15 yeah, exactly. So, um, and I would say conservatively that you've uh, you've you've been on that gasket for at the very couple. least two years. Uh, yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, at least. and so I'm uh, let, let's let's call it you know around thirty thousand miles, um, which is uh, you know near enough for a gasket. That's that's. No, I nothing. wouldn't think so. I, you know, I would think that you know fifty to even a hundred thousand miles would be you know what you would get out of it. I think it was around a hundred thousand miles, uh, hundred and twelve, hundred and twenty thousand miles when when I replaced the uh, the the manifold on on my Jeep when I first got it. it had a very very slight little exhaust leak that eventually kind of got bigger and, right. and worse and. And had to do it. And so it was, so, you know, OEM, um, all original, never been done before. Uh, so, yeah, you know, 100,000 miles, I would think, would be uh, the expectation uh, for a four liter exhaust intake manifold gasket. Uh, but if not, yeah, so if 30, not more, at least, yeah. if not more. Yeah. So 30, 30,000, a little, little shy, I, I would think. I would think something's going on there. Maybe it was over torqued. Uh, uh, maybe there was uh, some, uh, you know, some excessive movement on, on the engine and there was some. Uh, excessive pressure applied onto it or something i don't, I don't know yeah, i mean yeah, any number yeah. of a hundred different factors could could uh, have caused that gasket to fail in just that one spot and that's all it takes too is just like one little area a quarter inch wide a half inch wide uh on one port whether it be the intake or the or the exhaust and and all of a sudden uh your 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 engine tone sounds a little different and oh there's this tick you know here's this clack and yeah yeah, I have a little bit of a, a little bit of exhaust noise under uh, high RPM or higher than uh, just the cruising down the road, and uh, so I got to do get in there and do a little tightening. I did order a, a nine sixteen inch wrench, but it's extra long because if you've ever been uh, under there trying to get get the get some of those bolts uh, oh. exhaust bolts tightened up, it's it's. No, it's you those can't lower, get to the, it with a socket. Three. Yeah, yeah. You can't get to it with a socket because the way the the header oh, you flows can, around but them. But you you need to have the exact right length of socket. You need to have a, a universal joint on the end of that socket, and then like a two and a half feet of extension on top of that, and and that only works for like 
two or three of the lower bolts and and then you need to have like a, a like you like what well, you just picked up a a very long wrench or uh what i've got uh, one of those ratcheting wrenches and then just sit there for half a day working at three clicks at a time yeah uh so, well yeah, there's it's, one it's, it's a nightmare i think it's like a cylinder three maybe cylinder four where the tube uh is just now mind you i'm going by feel because it's really hard to see well, you um, can't. Yeah, you can't yeah. see in there. So, but but going by feel, it really felt like the the socket wouldn't line up on the the bolt because that that tube was just a hair in the way. But anyway, yeah. I ordered a long nineteen six inch nineteen sixteenths inch wrench that I've been threatening to do for a long time, and <laughs> uh, so because it, it's just out of the reach. Now it, it may be different if you don't have a lift, uh, but with with my uh, six and a half inch lift laying on the yeah. ground. It's, it's up it's, there a ways. You can get it on there, but it's it takes a long time to get it there, and then you know you you can't you can only get one hand on it, which means mm-hmm. there's a mandatory yep. the wrench is going to come off if you're moving it a little bit. Of course, of course, <laughs> yeah. Well, now here's a trick, Tony. Now, and me personally, well, I'm, I'm six the foot three. To the nut, uh, yeah, to the right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm six foot three. I've got a pretty long reach, and so I I can get up in there. Even though I got I got really you know real big hands and stuff. I can I can kind of get up in there. And, and, you know, move things around enough to where I can start, you know, I can start it with my fingers and I can get the tool on there, that sort of thing. But here's a trick that I've learned um, a bunch of different ways uh, working on the Jeep here and trying to get a bolt into a hole where you can't get your hands or, or where you can't really start it that easily with your fingers. Put some hair and, and that's to put in some, uh, a, a wad of masking tape um, on, the, on the back of your, on the back of your wrench, either just a strip across the back or, or a wad of it inside of your socket. Mm-hmm. And that's just enough to hold the nut or, or to hold the bolt, uh, to the tool while you start it or while you feed it in or, or, you know, whatever. Uh, and that can help keep you, uh, keep the, the hardware from falling out while you're trying to get it started or, you know, at least trying to get those first few threads to bite. And you would think it would cut back on the cursing, but it doesn't hold quite well enough. Not so much. All the time. So yeah. <laughs> you hear it go, ding, 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 ding. And then you don't hear it hit the ground. And you go, son of a bitch. <laughs> Life comes out. Are you okay? I am so happy whenever I've done stuff on my Jeep and I did it myself and I know that it's done correctly, for me anyway. <laughs> but I hate working on the Jeep. <laughs> I like the being done with it. I like the 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 completion, the feel of uh, satisfaction that it's this done. This is my you know? favorite time of year to work on the Jeep. Things are cool. Things are mild. Yeah. Things are cold even. And and I've got a garage. Now, for, for those of you that are working in a carport in 30 degree weather, man, more power to you, brother. That you You've got cojones. And I've been there done that you know it's 19 degrees it's dusk and you're working on gravel and it just sucks but you know what by the end of the day the end of the night by the end of the weekend whatever you finish the product of the project and you're up and running you got that sense of accomplishment and you did it yourself you saved god knows how much money uh and and there's really just that that overwhelming sense of accomplishment that you did it yourself and it's done to your rig and uh and it's yeah. just there's nothing else like that knowing now, how it goes the, together uh personally knowing really, how it goes together it means well, a lot not only that and then now you can talk about it now you can share your experience now you can teach somebody else you know that there's there's all that that goes with it too um and and so there's just it's just such a win-win and yeah i'm with you tony there's times where especially during the summer uh, when it's hot oh, and i don't like hot i don't like the heat 
um, that uh, that I don't want to go out in the garage. I don't want to have to replace I that bush at a school. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> five more seasons, five more months. Coming back to the winter. Yeah, so yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. There's been those times where I just don't want to, but you know, you get out there, you make the best of it. Hey, you know, talking about uh, making the best of things, uh, did you uh, did you see that little thing I, s- I shared with you in uh, Hangouts chat today about the the Bluetooth uh, dual relay? Yeah, only briefly. I mean, that was that was less of a tease than what we normally give our <laughs> listeners in the show. And so I was just like, well, what I'm the famous. Hell is he talking I'm about? famous okay, for that you know? though in chat. Just <laughs> up a picture and you know like stuff. So I'm working on a uh, working on a. You know, we talked about recently about. Uh, uh, making our Jeeps a little more harder to steal, a little more harder yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to, cause I know everybody, if, if you're a Jeep owner and you've put any kind of time into your vehicle and you go to an event of some sort, uh, where you're going to leave your vehicle in a parking lot and it's, it's very unique. It really stands out from all the other vehicles, which is part of the fun of having the Jeep, but it makes you worry. Is this, this vehicle standing out like this going to make it a target for thieves? Well, uh, we're going to work on some stuff about how you can uh, help protect your vehicle, maybe feel a little bit better when you go to these events, baseball games, football games, whatever you're going to, and coming back and the Jeep still be in there. There may be parts missing, but at least the Jeep will still be there. <laughs> so what I, what, I, what I shared with you today, Josh, was is that you know there's all these little electronic things that are out there that are just amazing and, and cheap. Um, so what I was thinking, you know, you could easily put a switch uh, on the 12 volt uh, wire going to uh, like on our XJs, uh, we have uh, we don't have the um, what do you call the thing that uh, goes on top of all the spark plugs? Um, spark plug wire? No, oh, the coil. Yeah, yeah. The, the not just the coil, but they a coil pack. That's what it is. So you, you, on the newer uh, uh, Jeeps, they have these coil packs that just go straight onto the uh, uh, the spark plugs. Well, the older vehicles like the, uh, Josh and my XJ, we have a single coil. And that single coil is run by a 12-volt source. So I'm thinking about taking this Bluetooth-enabled uh, relay that uh, I'll hook up to that, and I'll hook it up so that it either turns on or off that 12 volts running to the coil. And if the coil is not powered, that means that there's not going to be a spark on the spark plug, which means the engine's not going to start, which means you're immobilizing your Jeep. And uh, it would be – I mean, this isn't something that somebody's going to be able to go out there – and find the the alarm system and rip it out and defeat it because this is going to be uh, controlled by your phone. So your phone will actually have an app which you turn on or turn off that relay. So if the relay's relay's on, then yes, your vehicle's going to run and drive it down the road. So anyway, I was thinking about hooking this up to my uh, XJ and kind of testing it out. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, put a, like a little bypass switch in there for those times when it doesn't. Because <laughs> when you're <laughs> testing something out, you yeah. never know what's going to happen. Uh, but we'll put a bypass switch on there and then uh, see if how how this works out. And if it works out well, uh, we uh, may be talking about this on the show. Maybe do a little YouTube video, and uh, you can help protect your vehicle and maybe have uh, have some fun with some folks at the same time. Like, hey, go over and start my Jeep. Uh, yeah. I won't start. Brother, and then you I'll pull give up. you five bucks if you can start that Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> you pull out your phone and hit the button and go. Okay, start it now. How the hell did you do that with your phone? Are you you got that on star thing or something? So uh, I think that'll be kind of a uh, it just just amazes me how this. I mean, I think this little thing is like seventeen dollars. That little uh, this little device with the relay and the Bluetooth. 
Well, Tony, after uh, we've gotten uh, over the last couple episodes, uh, several people that have written in and, and we've even had uh, news stories about stolen Jeeps and stuff. And we have had several people talk to us about, hey, it might be a good idea to talk about security for Jeeps. Yep. You brought it up even in the last episode or so. Um, and so we haven't had a tech talk this episode. You guys might probably have noticed that. Um, and so next episode, uh, possibly the one after that, like uh, Tony's working on this Bluetooth security add-on piece for your Jeep. Um, I'm working on some security tips uh, for for pretty much every year of Jeep ever made, uh, any genre, any uh, g- generation of Jeep, if you will. Um, and so we're going to have tips for no matter what Jeep you drive, um, how to keep that Jeep in the driveway, keep uh, keep that Jeep yours, as it were. That'll be coming up in uh, in future episodes. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. We're going to do a big security episode here in the very near future. And hey, do you want to join in on the Campfire Side chat? We would sure love to have you. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Oh, you just look at this weather. I think this is the perfect day to take the top off. Oh, what the heck is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Hey Jeeper, Mitch here. Today is the 31st of January, 2020, and it's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. This week, we start up north in the US of A in the state of Wisconsin. What's there to do when it'll be cloudy all weekend? Well, take your Jeep and go topless in Spread Eagle, Wisconsin. There will be 32 Friday, 35 Saturday, and 42 on Sunday. Maybe getting wet while Jeeping topless is your thing. So the next location is for you, since it'll be raining here all weekend. Named by a local native nation, this town's name means hard to pull, since the banks of the river nearby with the same name was hard for them to anchor their canoes on. Well, I'm talking about Hump Tulips, Washington. Friday will be 52, Saturday 50, and Sunday that rain may turn to snow at 39 degrees. Back east, you can find partially cloudy weather in Buttsville, New Jersey. Better for your pictures, Friday is 44, Saturday 45, and Sunday is 43. Alright, if New Jersey is too far east, I have a more central location for you. Sadly, here it will be cloudy still. But hey, it'll be warmer. French Lick, Indiana is where I'm sending you to go topless in. Here will be 41 on Friday with some rain or snow. Continues to stay 41 on Saturday and cloudy. Then lots of sun, relatively, at 57 on Sunday. Don't forget to use the hashtag Jeep Talk Show on social media for us to see those pictures. Now, I'm needing some help from you, listener. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather in an upcoming episode, Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. Hey, now let's get to some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. Don't forget to let us know about an event that you are planning or are involved with. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and click and fill out our wheeling wear form, a special form that has all the necessary information you just got to fill out. And that comes straight to us, and we'll get it out to the masses. Actually, just got one of those in this week. We'll be talking about a show that a listener was letting us know coming up here in the next couple episodes. For now, though, coming up March 8th, we have the big Spanaway Moonshiners Jeep Club presenting their 4x4 off-road and high-performance swap meet, otherwise known as the Puyallup Swap Meet, the big one that happens each and every year. And this is going to be one that I've actually tried to get to in the past myself. It's never really quite worked out. I'm going to try once again to get out there March 8th in Puyallup, Washington for the big Moonshiners uh, off-road performance swap meet. 
Uh, we have coming up February 29th through March 1st. At the end of the month, beginning of March, the Muddy Buddies Jeep Wrangler Club presenting their Dayton Off-Road Expo. Big Off-Road Expo, folks. Wilmington, Ohio is where it's happening. And, of course, I need to remind you, you can come out and visit with me at the Big Jeep Meet uh, 2020 at Gilman, what is this, Gilman Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. I think they just should call it uh, Gilman Jeep. Uh, but uh, it's uh, here in Houston. It's going to be on February the 8th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, and, again, that's Gilman Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, the Big Jeep Meet 2020. And uh, Josh and I were talking about this last week. You need to come out there and support uh, these uh, these events, these local events, and if you want to see more of them. And then uh, at the end of March, I'll give you more details on that uh, uh, as we get closer to the event, but at the end of March, I will be uh, at the uh, Lone Star Jeep event uh, in, uh, it's, it, it's, they call it the Houston area, but it's actually in Conroe. I uh, went there last year, and both of these events are the second annual uh, events. Get out there and support these things. I'll be sure and have lots of stickers with me. So, Tony, uh, as we're recording the show, that means you have an event coming up this weekend, then, don't you? Uh, next week. Oh, next weekend. Yeah, okay. February will be next oh, weekend. Oh, February. February. Yeah, no, I'm a month, month behind, month off. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, it's only a week away, uh, approximately, a week and a couple of days. Uh, but, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, it. It's It's been a long time. I've had a Jeep in Houston for a long time, and there hasn't been any events for all these years. So this is really exciting to me because I actually get to go and do those things like uh, you get to have been doing for years up in uh, the yeah. northwest part of the country. Oh, it's just so much fun, you know, meeting other Jeepers, uh, seeing what other people are building, how they're building their own Jeeps, yeah. you know, talking with. I mean, I love talking Jeep, and that's oh, one of, of the reasons why we do this show. Uh, you know, it's we just we just love talking Jeep, and then when you get a chance to to have a bunch of all people who all love talking Jeep all at once, you know, all in one place, it's it's a lot of fun and just to getting out there and and seeing what's out there and talking with people. It's it's so that's what we're talking about when we say support the shows and stuff like that. We're not talking about breaking out the checkbook. You don't you leave your wallet at home for that matter. Uh, get out there and just be a Jeeper and and uh, support these events by just showing up and and talking with other people. And that's that's what it's all about. You know, uh, you know what else is fun, Josh? Being in a sea, an, winning a the literal raffle. a oh, literal yeah. sea of JKs, JKUs, JLs, and Jeep trucks, and having the only freaking Jeep Cherokee XJ. Within visual range, the lone survivor of clash for <laughs> cash for clunkers. Yeah, <laughs> um, holy crap, he's got one of them Cherokees. <laughs> I didn't even know they still had them things I don't around. Remember those yeah. things? How old is this thing? And then you know, because there's a lot of people that started out the Jeeps on, with Cherokees because they were just oh, so yeah. affordable and so capable. Oh yeah. And I remember one of those. <laughs> yeah, and then and they'll come up and th- they'll relate that story. Like I used to have one of these, or I've got one. I just didn't feel comfortable bringing it out here because there's so many JKs and stuff. And uh, then I'll I'll there'll be a pause, and I'll say, you know what's unique about this one? And I'll say it's a one owner vehicle, and they're like, oh, yeah. the clouds yeah. part, the angels <laughs> sing because <laughs> the the idea of a single owner Jeep Cherokee is just you know unimaginable <laughs> so it's a lot of fun there's a lot of a lot of fun uh, involved that's what happened last year when i went to the lone star jeep uh, uh event and it was uh, there were several people that came up but one guy actually went home and got his cherokee and brought it back because he saw there was another cherokee there so <laughs> it was that's, 
That's pretty cool right yeah, there. Yeah. Honestly, that's pretty cool. Oh, oh, I'm not the only one. I gotta go get mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that is really cool. I didn't you never told you never mentioned that from the last oh, really? show. That's, yeah, that was yeah. that was this this lady uh was uh, was looking at my Jeep and uh, admiring it and I said, Hey, quit looking at my Jeep as I walked up to it and they laughed. They were real nervous and they laughed and they said, Oh, my husband has a Jeep and he he actually went home to go uh, has a Cherokee. He went home to oh. get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to wait right here for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a lot of fun, and I, I was really surprised because you know it's it's all about the new. Uh, and uh, oh, by the way, uh, I, I know we're taking a long time on this, but I saw another Jeep truck today uh, with a, a soft top on it, and uh, oh my god, they is just so damned anemic looking. They they are just tiny. I mean, I, I they, felt like they I do was look a little weird with the soft top. I'll I'll be the first to admit it. That well, the, the bed the is kind of skinny and it's it's small, and I'm just well, it's not an F two fifty. I mean, come on, what, my are you, Cherokee, what are you expecting? My Cherokee was bigger than it. Nah, that's the way it felt. I I, I wanted to throw it a burger. It needed <laughs> it needed some sustenance. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they they do look a little bit more um, uh, substantial when they've got a hard oh, of top course. on them. Well, the, the, oh, and the, the soft the, tops, the, the, the big just, tires yeah. too. Yeah, if you put larger yeah. tires on anything, it looks more substantial. Yeah, but, and this really. was and this was stock. It was it looked like it was brand new, but it just just like I was talking about. I think it was last episode. It just doesn't look like it has enough there. I, I just wonder if they were trying to keep it trimmed down so much. So that it could get, uh, you know, the the EPA requested and modified. No, it's it's they they know exactly what Jeepers want. They want a good platform to build off of. They want a vehicle that's very vanilla that they can then turn into their own. Look, you don't want a fully customized Jeep right off the showroom floor that also everybody else has that has all right. the same features yeah. and all the same things and all the same colors and you know no, you want it to be yours. You want it to be unique. You want this to be my Jeep. And and so you get a very stripped down, plain vanilla, one owner, via, you know, whatever, and then you start turning it into your own rig. And Jeep has certainly made it very, very easy for us to do that with the new JTs and keeping the factory warranty, too. Um, and even if you don't want to, the aftermarket is just just bananas oh, right now with with jt <laughs> accessories so i mean it, yeah if you're if you're an off-road manufacturer and you don't have at least one or two jt products yet you're behind oh, the well, times already so yeah you're 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 i think you missed your boat um so it's that's what it's all about right now and, and so i'm with you tony yes they're anemic but i believe it's by design eh, maybe so but uh i still think it's the epa and the, the gas mileage that they were trying to just keep it thin and uh, small it's not a bad looking truck it just doesn't look substantial enough for me and it's winning awards though i know uh, it's not like i've have i've been uh uh, right every time. I mean, it was like when the new Cherokee came out. We both hated that thing. Oh yeah, and they were <laughs> they were selling the hell out of them. So there you go. And for more information, more events, and links, please visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode to check it all out. Find out all the good info for yourself. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, we have a challenge for you. Call our voicemail line and let us know how long you've been listening to the show. That's right. We want to know just how long we've got some listeners out there. Are you a long-time listener? You a first-time listener? Let us know. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Oh, and uh, if, you, if you're a long-time listener, have you been incarcerated the entire time? That would be a good thing to know because they have nothing less better to do. Listen. 
Del Block 3. There we go. <laughs> I didn't do it. Nobody saw me do it. You can't prove anything. I'm guessing since 2010. Did you know there's more Jeep talk show that you're missing? Did you did you read the article about how uh, Kobe and his wife agreed they would never fly on a helicopter together because they oh, there was a concern. Wow. Yeah, there was a concern that. Uh, something could happen, and uh, if they both were on the uh, on the helicopter and it went down, then their children children wouldn't have parents. So they agreed uh, oh, a man. while back uh, for that to happen. I mean, for That's that not just to happen, kind of ominous. <laughs> Seriously, it, s- smart man. I don't know yeah, if, he, if, he, though, if really. he came up on it with himself. Maybe his wife came up with the idea, or maybe his manager said, "Hey, you know." something to consider helicopters well, to, are dangerous so well, and to hear that no other heli all every other helicopter in the area had been grounded that helicopter didn't have uh like ground impact uh, warning systems or anything like that um or ground avo- avoidance systems uh it was just i mean it was just sort of a well why would you even lift off then you know it just it seems like well if, if everybody else is grounded to get it just load the jeep talk show app on your smartphone or tablet 